Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hello. Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> For all our room fans out there. So uh, today we're doing a movie, one close to my heart, called A House of a Thousand Corpses, or House of a Thousand Corpses, not A House of a Thousand Corpses. A Thousand Houses of Corpses. There's a lot of corpses in the house. Yeah. And that's not a kid and play um, house party reference. Mm, but um, Should be. <laughs> so we're talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. And I had a question for you since John's not with us today, because we know for a fact he won't remember this. Do you remember the teaser that came out for this movie back in like 99 or 2000? It was like, it was one of those years. I really don't. Okay. It is the most late 90s thing you've ever seen. It's like this dude, it's like... It's washed out, oversaturated, kind of creepy, like zombie noises and stuff like that. And it's like there's a dude like digging a grave in a gas mask. And it's like from the creative twisted mind of. And then you like cut to like seeing the guy digging the grave. And it's like horror so unspeakable. And then it's like little flashes of like pieces of the movie. But like you can tell it's the early shit they were shooting. Um, mm -hmm. And then it like basically is like gets close and is zooming in on the guy in the grave. And it's all like. From the twisted mind of Rob Zombie, you know, like creator of White Zombie or something like that. It's all like House of a Thousand Corpses. Ah, and it shows like some flashes of some shit. And then it like coming soon. Hmm. That's it. it. It doesn't show you shit from the movie, really. It doesn't show you anything that's anything. It is clearly like what Rob Zombie would put out to advertise an album that was coming out. I didn't hear about this movie until it was on VHS. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. I saw this at the theater. Oh, you did? Yes. Based on that trailer alone. When this was announced, I was all the fuck in. Because even though I wasn't a huge horror guy back then, I was all about White Zombie. Just because I loved the like the old horror aesthetic. I loved the hard rock sound. I loved the, like, the creepy kind of like almost like fun gore kind of, you know, things that he mm -hmm. did in his music videos. His animation stuff was great. I know he did like work on Pee Wee's Playhouse, so I was all like, yeah, I'm down. I know he did the animated scene when the Beavis and Butthead trip out in the movie. Yep. I know yeah. that. Uh, for me, Rob Zombie was always one of the scariest men in rock and roll. Back when I was growing up really religious, it was like, oh, he sings about the devil, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I always liked their music, but it was almost like that. I shouldn't be listening to this because they probably have satanic something buried somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. How did you feel about like death metal and stuff at that time? Same thing, or was it different? There wasn't a lot I was introduced to. It was whatever's on the radio, right? So it was like okay. Megadeth, Metallica, okay. Black Sabbath, that kind of stuff. So I didn't really get into heavy metal until much later, probably college years. Okay, right so. on. Yeah, but this movie was like teased, and I was like, I, I'm in. But again, we knew nothing about nothing. <laughs> so it was purely selling the entire thing off the fact that Rob Zombie was making a movie. He, it was before he even shot anything? I, I, maybe he was already shooting stuff, but it was like, it was definitely like they were in production. Because this movie got sh was made in like 2000 or finished like being made in 2000, and then it came out in 2003. It was like a three-year yeah. gap before actually like finishing, wrapping, and then release. From what I understand, he uh, shot it on the Universal Studios film lot while he was setting up a horror ride for them at one of their attractions. I don't know about that, but I know he, they were using one of the houses, the, the best little whorehouse in Texas set yeah. is where the Firefly compound is, and like the Jaws ride and the tram and stuff like that would come through and ruin scenes. From what I gathered, it was that he was doing a ride for Universal Studios Hollywood so they could bring back their Halloween event. Mm. Um, and then someone just asked him, was like, hey, man, you got any ideas for a movie? And he like just spat out the first thing that came to his mind. And it, that's why the front of that movie has that roller coaster in it, because that's what he was working on at the time. Okay. So like, okay, well, why don't you go write up a treatment? And he went and made a 12-page script. And Are you like, talking about the murder mystery ride at Spalding's? Yeah. Okay. Like all that. So he, he literally came up with it on the fly. 
And then when he showed the product to them, they didn't want it because they're like, dude, this is going to be like NC-17. We can't have it. So yeah. even after trying to you know, edit it back, they're just like, no. But he ended up getting the rights and released it with Lionsgate later. Yeah, we'll definitely get into the NC-17 stuff. But um, yeah, I didn't know he was working at the and this kind of like phone pitched it or whatever. That's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll just kind of spoil this now. I don't have a lot of love for the movie, but there's parts about it that really? I like. Yes. Okay, wow. Well, John's not here today, so John can't back <laughs> me up even though he wouldn't because he's not a big rob zombie movie fan but yeah no this one's like a 50 50 for me okay i think the back half is way worse than the front half because it just kind of spirals out of control in my opinion i will back you up garrett uh spoiler for my opinions i also actually liked this movie which i know is a big surprise for people who realize that i'm not a big rob zombie fan uh, but also i agree with mark the ending is pretty weak but back to y'all Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, join with Garrett and not John. Sans John. John's out on his birthday week. Happy birthday to John, the man behind the mask, the, the man that Hollywood needs to get the fuck at. Yes. Someday they will. I asked them this year and they said, no, let's wait till the uh, next birthday. Okay. We'll all check right. in next birthday. What have you been up to, Garrett? Uh, not much. Uh, just kind of, you know, working on stuff. Went back, watched a bunch of horror movies. Uh, been watching the Joe Bob Last Drive-In series. The series this season's been really great. Um, showing a lot of good movies. I showed Mutilator last week. I love that flick. Now, who who did that one? Who directed? Oh, that that's one? I don't remember who did that, but it's an Arrow video movie. I so. know I've seen it. It's been forever though. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty fun and rough, but. Um, yeah, that's been really good. Uh, Darcy's been killing it. Uh, Joe Bob's been having some great rants. I mean, it's it's been fantastic. But other than that, just kind of, you know, watching some older horror flicks. Uh, went back and rewatched the Pet Cemetery remake with John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Definitely is better than the original, in my opinion, but it lacks some things. But other than that, just kind of, you know, same old, same old. They finished wrapping the new Hellboy without David Harbour, which I'm not thrilled about. But Wait, they're doing another one? Yeah, the uh, Hellboy the Crooked Man is the um, movie that it is, and it's done by the guys that did Crank or something? I don't remember. Maybe it's something like that. But anyway, it doesn't have David Harper in it, and I'm really kind of upset by that because I thought David Harper was a fantastic Hellboy, even though that movie had some problems. So is this a reboot reboot? Yes. Third time? Well, the thing is, it's not a... So, oh boy, let's not get into Hellboy talk here. (laughs) Hellboy is interesting because you can actually kind of do it episodic in a way. So this isn't necessarily a reboot. It's more just kind of like another tale. Just imagine it kind of like a, a new interpretation, okay. someone's new interpretation of it. It's not going to retcon everything we know, supposedly, but it's just going to be their take and their story on it. Okay. Well, let's hope for all the fans out there that this one turns out well. Uh, Mike Magnolia saw it, and he said he really likes it. Okay. So That's a plus. Yes. Uh, I got around to finally watching Don't Breathe 2. That's the blind guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was okay. It was better than I thought it was going to be because the, the whole thing was is like, how do you do a Don't Breathe 2 that it felt like they were taking the villain of that movie, which is the blind man, mm-hmm. and turned him into like the main protagonist in Don't Breathe 2. It's like, what are you going to do? Make everybody in your movie worse than you? Do they make him an anti-hero or do they just actually make him a villain that we're supposed to just be along with a ride for? He's kind of an anti-hero, but he's not redeemed. 
Oh. Right? It's very strange. And yes, so he's still kidnapping women and inseminating them. No, he's he's past okay. that point in his life. Okay. All right. <laughs> he's gotten over that. Because so. that was a pretty rough plot point for me. The way this one starts out is there's a house fire where a small girl claws out of her out, out of the house and passes out on the street. Him and his dog find her and raise this girl as his own child. Uh, he's teaching her survival skills and all this other stuff. Well, later on in life, probably like six, seven years later, um, they get home invaded by a bunch of ex-Iraqi soldiers or something like that, and they're trying to kidnap the girl. The, Why? Because it ends up being one of, it's their dad leading the team, and then that's their daughter. So he abducts a girl, raises mm-hmm. her, and then they're coming back to get the daughter. Right, and I don't want to go into too much into it, because the, the twist is pretty crazy, honestly, and I'll tell you later, but um, these people end up being worse than him. <laughs> <laughs> if question, you can imagine that question, plot point question. Did, did okay. at any point, did anyone call the cops to have them go get the daughter or is this all just like off the books? There's a purpose. Okay. That the cops couldn't be involved in. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. We'll leave so, it at that. So we don't spoil it because John's not here. We'll try not to spoil things. My uh, recommendation is going to be, it's a pointless sequel that doesn't need to exist, but it's not bad. Okay. Okay. So if you, if you find it on I'm streaming good with service, that when it comes to horror, I'm cool with having like pointless sequels as long as they're actually entertaining or sort of well-written. Yeah. It's nowhere near as good as the first one, but it's still okay. Okay. So if you see Don't Breathe 2 out there, check it out. All right. Well, unless you got anything else you want to talk about, I guess we can get into what we're talking about today is House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003. And we're doing this one because it's the 20 year anniversary. Is that right? 20th anniversary. And also because it's, I fucking love this flick. All right. Well, you're going to have ample time to talk about why that is. <laughs> uh, this one written and directed by Rob Zombie. Roberto Zombie. There's so many people in this movie, by the way. Dude, this fucking shit is stacked. It is so like filled with badasses. We got William Bassett as Sheriff Frank Houston. Karen Black as Mother Firefly. Also starring Aaron Daniels as Denise Willis. Dennis Fimple as Grandpa Hugo. Maybe one of my favorite characters in the movie. Yes. I wish Grandpa had more screen time. He was great. Uh, Greg Gibbs is Dr. Wolfenstein. Any relation to the video game, I wonder? No. No? Okay. Uh, an early uh, cameo from Walter Goggins. Didn't realize he well, was in He was, was in doing this. stuff. Was he he? Was, yeah, he was, he okay. was a bit actor. He was, he was B actor at that time, but like, you know, well, I mean, like character actor, not B actor, but he's a like right. character actor, but yeah. Walter Goggins is Steve Nash. Sid Haig is Captain Spaulding. Really, for me, the star of the whole movie, and I wish he was in it more as well. Yeah. Chris Hardwick as Jerry Goldsmith. I guess at this point, the only thing he'd done is that MTV dating show. Do you remember that? I do not. And now your host, Chris Hardwick. Thank you, Tammy. You're welcome, Chris. I love you so much. Welcome to Single Out. Here's our recipe. We throw 50 guys and 50 girls into this big pot. We let two rise to the top. I was going to dump the rest, you know? Let's get rid of them. They bring in like 90 guys. It's called Singled Out. I don't remember that at all. Wow. (laughs) So this girl would sit behind a blind, and then Jenny McCarthy would ask the guys questions, and then she would tell... Well, if you're if you got a hairy back, get out of here. And then like forty guys would leave and like slowly break down who was there to be down to three people, and that's who you've got singled out to go on a date with this hot girl. MTV, huh? Wow, that is terrifying <laughs> and also morbidly fascinating. That's how I knew who Chris Hardwick was. Okay, anyway. I didn't know who he was before this, but I loved him in this movie. Rain Wilson. Yep, getting there. Okay. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of people. Jennifer Jostin is Mary Knowles. Matthew McGrory is Tiny Firefly. Always love to see that guy. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was also on Big Fish and some other stuff. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Matthew McGrory. 
Jake McKinnon as the professor. Which one was that? He was uh, the uh, big, massive dude at the end. The guy in the uh, gas mask. Okay, yeah. When it just Butthole goes off mouth. The, <laughs> where it just goes off the rails. Yeah. Sherry Moon Zombie as Baby Firefly. Bill Mosley as Otis. And Rain Wilson as Bill. Is that his name? Yep, Bill. Okay. Michael J. Pollard has a, a cameo in this, the beginning. The guy in the gas station talking to Spaulding. Pollard was also in uh, Scrooge. Most people may know. Walter Phelan is Dr. Satan. As Dr. Satan! <laughs> That's probably all we need unless you can think of someone else. I missed. mean, there's a bunch of other cool, like, you know, character actors from back in the day. The The guy who plays the dad, mm-hmm. um, whatever his name, I can't remember his first name, but uh, something young. Oh, yeah, that dude. He, was played, he played the old guy. He played old um, Matt Damon from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, that's that's, that's His outfit guy. looks almost exactly the same as Saving Private Ryan. Might have been the same week. Yeah, maybe. Walked onto the set from uh, Universal's lot. There's trivia that, like, old man Ryan survived World War II, but he wouldn't survive House of a Thousand Corpses on set. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, this one has a 21% with critics and a 65% with the audience. That seems completely accurate. True. <laughs> And today, here's what the back of the PSP UMD says. Which my roommate has downstairs, by the way. (laughs) Really? Yes. That's funny. I was like, what an opportunity. I'm going to use this. One hell of a great horror movie, says Toby Hooper, director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist. That was a pretty good get for back then. Two young couples take a misguided tour onto the back roads of America in search of a local legend known as Dr. Satan. Lost and stranded, they are set upon by a bizarre family of psychotics. Murder, cannibalism, satanic rituals are just a few of the thousand plus horrors that await. Really? How many? A thousand plus horrors. A thousand plus. I want somebody to start naming them now. And I will on this podcast. Number one. <laughs> uh, locusts and a bunch of other things. We hope you like rain. Right. Um, well, Garrett, you said you saw this one in a theater. I did. I did go. It, it was not an easy find. Was this, this another date movie for you? No, this was a <laughs> Garrett really likes white zombies. So he's going to go check it out. Uh, this one was hard to find, uh, cause it came out, uh, God, I would have been, was I back in Austin at that time? Is it in San Antonio or Austin? It was hard to find a theater that was actually playing it, but we did. And I'll be honest. The first time I saw it, I loved it and hated it. Mm. I, I loved the visuals of it. I loved the, the actors. I had never seen Texas Chainsaw 2 at this point, so I had no Chop Top uh, reference to go into on this. So Bill Mosley's Otis character, I was like, oh, this is the coolest dude in like a horror movie ever. Just, just so much rad shit. But the story. Now that I'm more well-versed in the horror genre, mm-hmm. thanks to this podcast, the Grave Talk podcast. Um, We're here to enlighten. <laughs> I will say that this does not affect me as bad as it did back then. But back then, I was very upset that the story was so uh, fractured and kind of, it felt like a bunch of vignettes at times, a bunch of music videos that got mashed together. But nowadays, I really enjoy it as a more cohesive, you know, like constructed, you know, item. And I just, I really like it. I just think it delivers on all fronts. It's got the gore. It's got a visual appeal that is like next to none. You've got dark, you've got creepy, you've got foreboding, you've got colorful, you've got just insane, like (laughs) rapid fire, negative flash visuals. I mean, it's just so fun. I think you touched on a little bit of what really still kind of pushes me away from it a little bit is it doesn't feel that cohesion for me. And what it is, is it's all that VHS found footage stuff that is just spliced out through the entire movie. For me, it feels like he had 
X amount of actual footage and then had to figure out how to fill the rest of the time. Well, there's a 105-minute version out there. Oh, God. The director's <laughs> cut, which was actually super gory. Most of the kills and mm-hmm. all the stuff that you see. You go into detail. All right. I have not seen this. If anybody out there has a copy or knows how to get me a copy of this film, Is let it lost? me know. Well, it's really hard to find. It exists, but okay. like it's pretty hard to find. Um, it aired at like one film festival. And then after that was cut because he cut it down get from nc-17 back to you know gotcha R. but um there's stuff with baby firefly where she has like a much more necromantic kind of necrophilia subplot going on the, the quick cuts where she's like getting down with the uh the skeleton mm-hmm. that's a whole scene where she like actually gets fully off oh really um there's a lot more into that there's a lot more into like the the kills you see a lot more of that in great long detail so there's a fair bit that was edited out. There was a few other like minor subplots. The um, skunk. Oh God, what is it? I can't remember the, the character's name. But um, there was there was supposed to be more, but we didn't get it. So I think the VHS stuff that you're talking about was kind of a means to an end to kind of glue some of this together. And that's what it feels like. It's like, well, we got to cut to another scene. So here's like a a quick shot of baby just kind of dancing around for a second, and then we go back to the real movie. And then the back half of it, when they start doing the whole ritual in the cemetery stuff, like there's just almost too much of that VHS footage being spliced in. Um, I would have seen, I would have liked to seen less of that or at least make some of it feel more pertinent to the scenes we're seeing. And it wasn't always like that. Sometimes it was like, okay, there's shots of Otis, like, you know, doing weird stuff with the cheerleaders again or something mm-hmm. like that. I was like, okay, that's a little better, but some of it just feels completely it's just, just stick something to, in. Yeah. It's just there yeah. to have a visual. I, I can see that. I, I would say for me, it's a little le- it's a little more nuanced, a little less, you know, hit like heavy on that, because I guess towards the end of the film, what I would like to have seen is have the fireflies have a little more interaction or connection to Dr. Satan. And that's the other part for me is like if that feels so disconnected from the rest of the film, when they go down in the tunnels and they're running around and then someone's in a dentist chair and all that stuff is like, it's like, Dr. Satan! right. It's like, we just have to have an ending for this thing. Let's get through it. And that's kind of like, it's like, all right, it looks neat. I'm not going to lie. You know what it feels like? This whole movie feels like I'm going through one of those haunted houses. It literally feels like I'm like, I paid and get a ticket and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to see all the weird vignettes like a haunted house. Interesting. In mm-hmm. 2003 and 2019, they actually did a um, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Universal Studios, uh, Horror for the Holidays, whatever, mm-hmm. like haunted well, that, house. I bet that'd be fun. That would have been fucking awesome. That would have been a good way to experience it. I, I see what you're saying. I, I don't know. I guess because we've watched so many movies that have way worse like editing and like, I mean, f- okay, I'm going to say something that's going to piss off a lot of people. Who's the uh, Giallo director? Dario. Dario. Dario Argento. If y'all can deal with that shit, you can <laughs> deal with this. That His movies are way disconnected and end out of nowhere. Like, I, I get it. I'm not denying that this movie does feel a little bit fractured at times, but we've seen so much of that in horror. If you can't just get on that trolley, what are you doing here? But I think, yes. I think the difference, though, is when I watch a Dario Argento movie and I feel confused, I feel like it's my fault, <laughs> not the director's. <laughs> it's okay. like, I did something wrong here. <laughs> okay, fair. Well, to me, I, I, I think what was uh, in the director's commentary, um, Rob Zombie was mentioning that, because I listened to the director's commentary on this. Mm. Um, I'll talk about the 20th anniversary D- Blu-ray collection in just a second. Uh, he also mentions that he doesn't like this film. Really? He was like, all I see is flaw after flaw after flaw. And that's an art thing. That's an right. artist thing. So I don't know if I like want to say that he doesn't like this movie as a whole, but like he definitely has some of that going on. 
Well, this but, is this is his first movie into the the industry. His first directorial debut, right? Yep. So I can see that. Um, I'm not saying there's nothing to take away from it. Um, you put Sid Haig in clown makeup, and I'm like glued to the screen. I Sid love that guy so much. Haig. Okay, was he like doing anything major before this? I mean, I know he was in movies. I know he was working, but like, was he like a fucking horror icon at this point? Because I feel like this movie put him on the map. I mean, the Doctor Spalding character is so incredibly like charming and i say charming in like a very like incorrect way right. but like he's unforgettable like everything about him like him and otis in this movie like you just remember these characters every time you see them again in movies you're just like you don't have to get to know them you just automatically know who who and what they're about well i know he's in jackie brown that probably been and yep. that was based on a tv series wasn't it that I he was a part of think before. so yeah um so really like was he a horror guy Good question. I think he was in some horror movies and stuff like that back in the day, but I don't think he was like such a household name. We say household name. Maybe it was just a time we were in. Maybe he was. But so the I, I bought the the 20th anniversary Blu-ray because it has an amazing art cover and it has some like incredible like Dr. Satan art on it and stuff like that. It's really cool. I think it's the same fucking DVD that came out back in 2004. Really? The menus look exactly the same if I'm remembering correctly. I don't see any special features on it that weren't there from the DVD release or my digital copy. I feel like I got so bamboozled. Absolutely no money went into this like re-release. There's huh? a second disc, and I okay. haven't actually delved into that yet. So maybe that's where all the new stuff is. But, ooh, that first disc, I think, is just the upscale DVD version. It looks great. Don't get me wrong. The Blu-ray version is definitely worth owning. And when I get to the special features, maybe I'll like jump back on and do a quickie about them. Okay. But... um Man, it was, I was, I put it in and I was like, sweet. I was like, this looks clear. I like this. And then I was like, this is all the same shit I have on my DVD copy. <laughs> you miserable motherfucker. I ought to jump over this counter and bash your fucking balls in. Well, Mosley was balls deep in horror at this point. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of his first films was Texas Chainsaw 2. Oh, okay. He had recorded his own scene as a Sawyer and then mailed it to Hooper and Hooper put him in the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm sorry. Otis feels like such a like, you know, growth like a growing like version of chop top. If he hadn't like gone like full, like insane, like just like, well, Otis doesn't have a plate to scratch. <laughs> so that's the difference. He doesn't have a nickel to his name and a plate to scratch. No, I want to say, dude, 20 years later, uh, it, I, I was, I am so much more interested in finding this uncut version that you're talking about. Like he just needs to release that, get it and put I it out. I don't think he will. I think he's more interested in other stuff, but yes, I would love to see that. Okay, so let's let's talk about the things. We've talked about some of the stuff we liked, and we'll get more into that as we kind of go through the plot. Mm-hmm. And we'll just kind of burn through the plot really fast later on. Let's talk about some of the things that were really fucking terrible for you. I'm going to start, and I'm going to be very careful about how I say this, because I have actually evolved and grown quite a bit with this opinion. Okay. When I first saw this movie, I fucking hated Sherry Moon. I hated Sherry Moon at the time, did not realize. I just hated the character. Mm-hmm. As she has grown with these films, because I think she's only worked, she did one like other role for Toby Hooper in some movie that he did. But other than that, she's only worked with zombies since then, uh, Rob. And I will say Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell, even though I fucking hated the character, um, Halloween 2, Season of the Witch, not Season of the Witch. Is it Season of the Witch? No, that's uh, uh, Salem. Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. Yeah. Yes. She has gotten so much better. And again, this is her debut. So I don't want to hold it against her. But like when I first saw this, oh my God, I hated that character. And I thought it was just her. But no, it's really that character that I really dislike. That that little giggly, like adolescent grown woman thing. Oh, that just gets under my skin and I do not enjoy it. Shoo, shoo, said the maiden. 
I didn't mind it as much this time around. And I actually thought because she didn't play such a central role. Yes, she's still an important character in there, but she doesn't she doesn't talk as much as she does in Devil's Rejects. So I thought sparingly it was more palatable. Does that make sense? I see. I felt the opposite because I felt mm. she came more into her own. She still had some of that like, you know, like immature like behavior, but she was becoming more of like, I'm an adult who just has these like immature tendencies mm-hmm. and devils reject and beyond. And again, I really have grown to like the character Baby Firefly um, and these subsequent releases. But when I first saw this, oh God, I just don't know what it is about grown people acting like children and babies that just gets under my skin and I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> please stop doing this. Oh yeah. It's a choice for sure though. I but mean, it works well in this movie though. Like going back and like I said, mm-hmm. when I first saw it, hated it. And this one now I'm like, Oh, since, now that I know that it's not Sherry Moon's personality, I'm much more okay with it. Cause I know it's a character she's playing, mm-hmm. but Oh, that little giggly nonstop. I'm just like enough. It's a lot. It is a lot. And you're right. She does feel very green at it here. Yes. But, Sparingly, I could get through. It didn't bother me too much. But she is a, a incredibly gorgeous, talented lady, and shout out to her for fucking finding her niche and doing exactly what she wants to do. Other than what I told you, I don't have a lot of things I don't like. Other than it just feels very disjointed towards the end, and then those those uh, VHS cuts that are just all over the movie. Okay. So yeah, there's nothing really that stands out. Like uh, uh, the music's good. I think the acting, Dude, other than the Sherry's song House of fine. a Thousand Corpses, is fucking as John would say, fucking slaps. Yeah. No, it's all good. It's all starting to feel a little time capsule-y too. Well, yes. You know, but it, it is 20 years at this point. It felt like a long music video. Yes, which makes sense as, from his background, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and again, I think I think once you have a little more time to reflect on, I think this is what a lot of the critics didn't have at the time is, you know, a lot of that time to reflect on it and see what he was capable of, but kind of also see what he was making. <laughs> this one kicks off with Dr. Wolfenstein's Creep Show. Or Dr. Wolfenstein, if you want to go by the narrator. <laughs> Uh, which I really appreciated, you know, knowing that Rob Zombie has such a love for classic 50s, 60s horror kind of feels and vibes and things like that. I like to see, I couldn't even tell you who was doing uh, horror hosting back then, but like you mentioned at the top, we're big fans of Joe Bob, Elvira, all that stuff. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ghouli, Thank Elvira type yes. feels, but a little more like 50s, 60s. Right. And uh, Vampirella, not Vampirella. Um, oh, Vampira. Vampira. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Vampirella is a comic. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was really happy to see that. And I just love that kind of corny host stuff that they used to do back in the day. Remember, did you see his little like wolf man, like helper behind him real quick? That's Rob Zombie. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> he was going to play Wolfenstein himself or Wolfenstein himself, but like he mm-hmm. decided not to. And then he dressed up in that wolf mask thing behind him. So we get the, the Dr. Wolfenstein um, intro. Also great name. If you're going to be a doctor, mm-hmm. you could do worse. A lot worse. Um, so we get that. And he's like, I'm your host for this evening. Let's go. And then we cut right into a commercial for Captain Spaulding's Gas and Chicken. And uh, it looks like you're just watching TV, like old commercials and right. stuff like that. And it's an interesting feel because then eventually we cut, then we smash cut right to a kind of like a pan, like a, a crane pan shot of uh, Dr. Spaulding's or Captain Spaulding's. They're not all doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Spaulding's uh, gas and chicken, you know, and this place is neon lit up. There's a murder ride. It has got like creepy clowns in front of it. It's really cool and creepy looking, but man, with that much neon, his electricity bill has got to be insane. For the amount of people that drive through there, I don't know how he's making any money, but you know what? I would definitely stop at this place. 100%. There's no way that, that I'd like fly to a fucking or a moth to a flame, if you will, like <laughs> yep. right into that place. 
it's so like poorly advertised in the, the road too. But yeah, you see that and he's inside and he's talking to uh, Michael J. Pollard and they're, they're having some like fun interaction. And uh, then boom, two robbers come in, two local robbers come in and uh, are going to hold him up, steal his money. And, and Spalding, this is where we get a, a perfect feel for how Spalding's character is going to be for the rest of this franchise. And I'm like, put your hands up. And he throws his hands up, but he like flips him the finger and he's like, fuck you. And it's just like, okay. And the whole time antagonistic, not wanting to put up with this bullshit. Michael J. Pollard's character gets brought out of the bathroom, held at gunpoint. He's like, hey, I know you. Things just go sideways from there. Spalding and the, the, the robber are going at it verbally. Bam, bam, bam. And then in comes a guy with a giant axe and just starts hacking up one of the um, the gunmen. Yeah, he, it was the guy at the side of the road, right? Doing like the sign spinning, if yeah, you will, for Captain Spalding's thing. thing. Yeah. So my question is, is like, A, I'm not really sure where this little gas station attraction fits into the rest of the town, right? We know that there's got to be at least a small handful of townsfolk and that when the robber is identified by the guy in the bathroom, was like, hey, you're like that dude and he takes his mask off. He's like, shut up, don't call me names or whatever. Yeah. Why would they go rob people they know? And like, I don't know. Desperate I'm, times call for desperate measures and we all know that Captain Spaulding is a cash cow, evidently. <laughs> I, that's my point. It's like, I don't think he's making any money. There's nothing to have. Oh, he's making money. I mean, he's got a murder ride. You don't just get a murder ride without investing some money. This has to be off a major highway then if like all kinds of people are coming in keeping them afloat. I would I would definitely say this is probably enough of a tourist attraction slash kind of like where it is. Mm. But yeah, you got a good point. I actually have a note that says, what do the locals think about this place? And are the locals safe from the Firefly family? Yeah, That's going to be hard to say this whole episode. <laughs> now you've seen the, the subsequent sequels. Um, I still have yet to see the third one. Oh, you haven't seen Three from Hell? No, not yet. So I didn't know if they ever delved into more of this area and I'm just forgetting no. about it because the sheriff in this one's like, we got to go talk to that clown. You know, kind of like they, no one really goes out there. That so the way. only thing we get for the rest of this franchise is a lot of connections to characters we've seen before. So in the second one, the brother of the sheriff who's killed in this one, mm -hmm. he's the one that's like, you know, like we're going to bring down the Firefly family. They're the one that that's did the raid right. at the beginning. That whole thing goes tits up. Then we get the whole, they go to the, like the horror compound um, that uh, Spalding's friend runs and they kind of have that interaction there and he sells them out. Later on in the third one, Three from Hell, there's an escape. There's a prison thing. Like someone gets killed. Like, um, oh, um, Danny Trejo's character gets mm -hmm. killed. And uh, some of the bounty hunters in the second one, relatives of them, like basically come back to get the fireflies as they're trying to go to Mexico and stuff like that or get into Mexico. One of the two. I can't remember exactly, but. So there's even more fireflies that we don't see in the previous no, two movies? the third one. Well, yeah, you actually get a new character mm -hmm. who's related to the firefly family, kind of like as a friend of the family type thing. Yeah. Um, but we don't get any more like delve into the actual like um, firefly family history. Okay. So that was like at the end, I'm like, are all these people fireflies, all the people down in the tombs or whatever? No, no, definitely not. Well, so the, so based off one of the, the flashbacks that happens when um, mom Firefly, I can't remember her name. Let's call her mama Firefly is saying like, Oh, my husband used to, you know, like he never beat tiny, but one time he went crazy and poured gasoline and burned him alive. And that's why tiny is the way he is. That character is the giant masked character from the tunnels at the end. So the mm. dad is that character. But the problem is when he's burning tiny, he's in that like garb. So I'm like, did Dr. Satan create this dude? And then Madam Firefly, go like, I want to fuck that dude and start a family. <laughs> or are they all related in some other way that I don't know? There's, there's never been a clear, clear explanation on it. But based off the flashback, that dude in the tunnels with the axe yeah. is the, the dad of baby and tiny. 
And I think Otis. Yeah, Otis, because Otis is the brother of... Why did I always thought that Captain Spaulding was Baby's dad? No, no, they're just friends. They just all know, they just like know each other. I think think Spaulding is like a friend of the family. The way that... because they have like Devil's an uncle. Rejects plays out. I thought he was part of their family. It comes across kind of that way, but it's more kind of like a, an uncle type situation. Maybe there is some kind of relation there, but it's definitely more of a like, you know, like we're family by mm. what we get up to. Because we're weird. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> we're weird. That's a way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're homicidal s- maniacs. Or weird. Yes. So they, they stop the robbery. Mm-hmm. And, and then we cut to um, Rain Wilson and them in the, the car. I was going to say my favorite part is like whenever uh, or of the scene is whenever one of the robbers is like, I'm going to count to 10 and you're going to hand over all the cash or I'm going to splatter your grease paint mug across the state line. One. Fuck your mama. Two. Fuck your sister. Three. Fuck your grandma. <laughs> Most of all, fuck you. Fuck you. Yep. I really enjoyed Again, that part. Spalding just has zero fucking chill with no. any of this stuff. Yeah, we cut to a car full of our teenagers, quote unquote. (laughs) (laughs) This is the classic, we're adults, but playing teens. I don't think they were like, they had to be grown. They they couldn't have been teens. They were just like young adults. Early 20s. Yeah, probably. Early mid 20s. Uh, But we find out that one of them, Rain Wilson's character, Bill, is writing a book, right? So Mm -hmm. he's going to go drive around and find cool places to stop at. And that's what he's doing. So they pull over, they're getting gas, and uh, the girls are asleep. Chris Hardwick's character, Jerry and Bill, go inside to take a look around, and they're finding like all kinds of weird knickknacks in the clown shop. It's insane. There's like a wall of murderers. They've got old paintings. Um, there's <laughs> they find like a Fiji mermaid type thing. I mean, it's just a bunch of like just really creepy, like random chashkis. So Bill is sitting there. He's like interrogating Captain Spaulding to agree, just asking all these questions. And finally, Spaulding's like, why are you asking all these jackassy questions? And he starts to get really kind of intense. And Rain starts to back off like, well, uh, you don't know what I'm doing is I'm just I'm writing a book. And he's you like, you think we're all hillbilly fuck faces? You coming to our neighborhood? And it's like, I thought the movie was going to get like severe at that point. I was like, oh, it's on right now. Let's go. <laughs> but he's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you, man. Don't worry about it. He's like, you want to see all this shit? Or you want to go on the tour? And they're like, wait, you got a tour? He's like, yeah. And it's like some mine car ride through a tunnel where all these serial killers are being shown off like Ed Gein and all that. Yeah. Captain Spaulding's murder ride. And I wonder... That looked like a five-minute ride. What do you think they paid for that? Oh, I want to say 15 bucks a piece. That's a lot. I would have paid it. <laughs> you think so? Oh, without a doubt. 15 bucks a person to see a homemade fucking murder house like that? Like, that's worth it, man. Yeah. So let's put some time and effort into that. Okay, you're right. I'd probably pay it too, just once, though. Plus, you could be like, yo, guess what we did? You know, I've done some crazy shit in Vegas, like, you know, like ridden roller coasters on a whim, mm-hmm. you know, random drugs, you name it. I mean, just, you know, whatever. It's just like, hey, yeah. I mean, I would totally do that as like a, yo, guess what I did? Well, Jerry is in love with everything happening. He's just on board for it. And the girls are very nonplussed. They're just like, what the fuck? Well, because on the ride, they hear about local legend, Dr. Satan. Right. And, uh, and and to be fair, let's, Sid Haig, this is his moment. This is his crowning achievement. When he's given the ride and the way he's like narrating it and like interacting with the, the folks in the ride, so like this is his piece to resistance man he's so good at this he's got himself like an uncle sam top hat on mm-hmm. he's so animated it's great i mean yeah. it, like i said anytime this guy's on screen is like for me it, steals the it's show. electric man yeah, yeah. i literally could have watched a whole movie with just him yeah <laughs> agreed but so they find out about dr satan who's a local legend and he actually like they the tree that he got hung at is nearby so they get out of the ride and as you said jerry is all about it. he runs out going dr satan 
um, which we're going to say a million times in this episode. And then uh, he goes back inside. And he's like, hey, tell us where that tree is. I want to go check it out. And Spalding's like, you don't want to get mixed up with that. Just go on your way, which is very reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When mm-hmm. they're looking for that house, he's like, yeah, you don't want to mess with that house. You know, like I, I feel like it was very similar. And it's fair to say that this whole movie is like taking the Texas Chainsaw template and then just overlaying the music video and Rob Zombie-esqueness to it, you know? Yeah, I'd definitely say there's some some overlap here for sure. There's a reason Toby Hooper's on the back of that UMD. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, like I said, as we said, Mosley is chop top, like a fucking creepy, scarier chop top in this. Um, So they basically get instructions to go. They're going to go check it out. So they're, they're driving to go take a look. There's mixed feelings from different people in the uh, the car about whether they should or shouldn't be doing this. Um, Before they leave, point, though, yeah. uh, they do call the dad. One of the one of the girls, yeah. her dad's a, a cop, ex cop, ex cop, ex detective or something. something He's like, like retired, that. yeah. And they're like, "Hey, dad, uh, we're over at this place. We're looking for Doctor Satan's, and there's a tree." Doctor Satan. <laughs> so he's like, well, okay, be careful. It's raining, you know, whatever, whatever. I'll so see you tomorrow. They go drive out and try to find this place. They run across Baby Firefly, who's on the side of the road hitchhiking. And it's raining, right? It's raining. Okay. So they, they pick her up. Hitchhiker, hitchhiker. Remember? Texas Chainsaw Hitchhiker. Wait a minute. What? I know. There's a, there's a hitchhiker and chainsaw? <laughs> it's very similar. No, I know. <laughs> so they pick her up, and uh, they're driving down a little bit further, and uh, they're like, you ever heard about Dr. Satan? And she's like, yeah, I know all about him. So who was the who's the character that's wearing the bear uh, skin? I can't remember the fuck that character's name is. But he's um, one of the Fireflies, Yes, right? he's one of the Firefly family. He's out there hiding in like, it feels like a duck blind or something, and he shoots out the tire with a shotgun and nobody hears it. I mean, I know it's raining, but... It's a shotgun. It's really loud. And I love when they inspect a car. No one finds any pellet holes or anything. Was it a shotgun or a rifle? I mean, I thought it was a shotgun, but maybe it's a rifle. I think it's a rifle. Okay. All right. <laughs> if you shoot a shotgun from that far away, there's definitely going to be some pellets to the window <laughs> and stuff like that. Okay. My my mistake. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. So they blow out the tire, and then they're like, she's like, well, I know someone who can come get the, you know, get you a lift, but, you know, we got to walk to my house. It's right by here. So Baby and Rain Wilson, Jerry, or Bill. Bill go to the Firefly house and they're walking up and you get to kind of see that baby is definitely uh, she's off her rocker. They get to the house, they go inside and she's like, oh, I called the tow truck. They're going to go pick up your friends. He's like, I should head back. And she's like, no, no, stay here. And she's like in pajamas at this point, very ill fitting pajamas. And uh, there's there's a whole interaction. You get a real feel for this house. Like You're unnerved by the just the kind of like the overall ambiance. Ambiance. There you go. Yeah. I think the tow truck's actually the brothers. She's like, my brother's got a tow truck. Yes, it he's is. He's already out on the way to pick up your car. That's right. She's yeah. like, he's already on his way. Because he's like, should we call? And she's like, he's already on his way. Which is the first time we, we realize that, oh, wait, this is not adding up. Like, the audience is like, wait a minute, this time does not make sense. No, not at all. The other three people are sitting in a car, right? It was just Bill that went out to the house? Correct. And she's like hitting on him hardcore. Oh, While yeah. While they're sitting down inside the, the house waiting for them to show up at the car. They're watching probably more Dr. Wolfenstein or whatever. Sure. Bill is not having any of the advances. Well, he's got a girlfriend. He's a good guy. Yeah. Plus, you know what? Even if you are single, maybe don't get with crazy. <laughs> That's her number one feature. That's for sure. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like a subtle, like, this chick might be crazy. It's like, this chick is crazy. No, don't risk it. And then mom comes down. Yep, Mama Firefly. And she is just as horny as well, baby. Well, the, the, the other guys show up. The other kids show up. Right. Now, okay. the kids show up, and they're all sitting inside, and they're like, well, thanks for, you know, fix our car. Do we know when it's going to be ready? And she's like, it'll be ready tomorrow. 
And they're like, tomorrow? Oh, man. And she's like, it's fine. And that's when the mom comes down. She's like, welcome to my house. Mama's so tired. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, I can't do a good impression of it. But she starts getting, like, kind of, like, saucy with Jerry. Oh, and, yeah. And you're like, damn. And Jerry's just kind of playing into it. Like he, I he, think Jerry is 100% there for life. I think Jerry is ready to just take whatever life throws at him and have a good time with it. You're saying he's ready to be Jerry Firefly? I, like he's ready to sign up? I don't know about that. I'm just saying like Jerry's one of those kind of people who's just like, sure, let's do this. This seems fucking crazy. We'll give it a shot and see what happens. Just go along with it. Yes, exactly. Go with the flow. But they're very excited to have company for Halloween Eve. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know what that was going to entail. But they all sit down to dinner. Grandpa comes down. And Grand- tiny, we introduce a tiny also. Tiny shows up wearing like a, almost a Leatherface style mask because like you said earlier, it was burned. Okay, so yeah, we got to talk about dinner just briefly. Okay. This dinner is very kind of like Texas Chainsaw reminiscent, uh, the first one. And so you get this thing, you get to use the, the Hugo, which is kind of like grandpa. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, put your mask on or we're not going to get dessert. Oh, this won't let us eat dessert. Put it on. Yeah. And evidently that dude was actually eating cake through the entire, uh, eating food through all the takes. Like he was not just pretending, he was oh, actually really? eating the whole fucking time. <laughs> During the scene, we're actually introduced to all of the Firefly family. So Otis comes down and he's got a dead fetus, stillborn baby thing in a jar. Yep. And the mom's like, oh, you brought little so-and-so. And she kisses the jar. Like she's trying to kiss her baby. Everyone at the table is like repulsed. All the like non-Fireflies are like, what the fuck? And then Otis is like, you've come here on a very special night. We're going to do it to it. Isn't that right? And then grandpa's like, it's showtime. I wish we could have seen the whole performance, but we get a whole stand-up comedy routine by grandpa. Okay. I fucking love this scene. Yes. And it's just grandpa being disgusting. Starts licking and chomping on her pussy and she's screaming and yelling and she just, ah! We don't get to see any full jokes, really. It's just cut with Jerry laughing his ass off at the entire thing. Imagine if Sam Kennison did like 19 lines, had Tourette's, and also was kicked in the head by a horse. Like, it's <laughs> it's that level, like, comedy. He's all like, eat your mother's pussy. Ah! And you're just like, what the fuck? Where's the punchline? But Jerry's on board. Mm-hmm. Jerry fucking loves this act. Oh, yeah. Everybody else is just looking at him like, can you stop it? You're embarrassing me. (laughs) This is so juvenile. Can you imagine how many places they've been kicked out of because of Jerry? Um, All of them. (laughs) At least two Sizzlers. And a Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Baby comes down and she tries to go sit in Bill's lap and the girlfriend gets way jealous. Well, how does Baby come out? Because Baby comes out performing in this see-through sequin dress. Was it see-through? Oh, yeah. Parts of it were see-through. I didn't notice that. I I may have noticed that. (laughs) Look, this movie has gore and sex mixed together. It's my my bread and butter. Got it. Um, So she, like, comes out in this kind of, like, just very kind of revealing sexy dress. And she's singing, like, oh, my God. I don't want to say... It's like boo boo be doop boop It's it's like a Betty Betty Boop song or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, she goes and sits on Bill's lap. And she's like giving him the old hand rub, kind of like, ooh la la. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend is not having any of that. Shoves him off, calls her a whore. Baby pulls a knife and says, you should have done that. And at this point, this is where I thought it was going to go fucking bad. Right. I was like, oh, someone's getting their fucking throat slit at this point. I think that she shouldn't have done that. She's in somebody else's house with a lot of other weird people. There's already been a baby in a jar. Remember? Yes. <laughs> like grandpa's masks, baby in a jar. 
I mean, I know it hasn't. You've like, seen Tiny at right. this point. It's not and Otis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> who is arguably, you know, you're terrifying you're, the upon visual inspection. He's basically your David Koresh style, like cult leader. Charles Manson, fuck David Koresh, and had a baby, and yeah. that baby just said, "You know what? I want to be Satan." Maybe read the room and don't get aggro with one of the family members who is obviously not right in the head either. So I wonder what would have happened if they hadn't have pushed her on the floor, because I think that's kind of what instigates the rest of the movie to a degree. I they're, they're getting killed no matter what, dude. You don't think they they've walk got to out sacrifice of someone to Dr. Satan tonight. That's the whole thing. This is a big night for them. This was always the plan because it also felt like, remember, they start asking Otis about Dr. Satan over and over. He goes, you don't want to know about that. It's like, fine. All right, then. I feel like I feel like there's a symbiotic relationship between the Fireflies, Dr. Satan, and their love of killing rando people from outside. Okay, then maybe you're going to help me out here with what the fuck happens at the end exactly. Okay. Does Dr. Satan come back every Halloween? I think so- Dr. Satan just lives underground. So he's never... He's permanently there. He's just there. Yeah. He's just taking his shit underground where he's experimenting on people trying to make a race of Superman because so, he's got a German fucking voice at the end. So he's a clearly a Nazi psycho doctor. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Satan looked rad. The first time I saw this movie, though, I thought Otis was Dr. Satan. You did. Because he's got that long stringy hair. He's got the same kind of like sunken, um, you know, facial features. At first, I was like, I was like, oh, my God, is Otis like in two places at once? I, it didn't make sense. I was dumb. Well, there was a cut of the movie, apparently, where grandpa was going to be Dr. Satan. Oh, really? And then they changed it because it was like, nah, that didn't make sense. And then, unfortunately, okay. we got a lot less grandpa in the movie <laughs> because of that. Well, Damn. Uh, yeah, but I, the thing is, is like they, Dr. Satan just works underground and they just kind of like, hey, we'll throw him a bone every now and then. Well, let me fast forward and we'll come back, obviously. But when we fast forward and they lower them down in the coffin, all those zombies come out of the ground. The zombie pit, the water pit. Yeah. yeah. So was the ritual, does the ritual do anything or is it just for show? Uh, it's just for show. I think okay. it's just like paying homage to you. You know, it's like your neighbors. Like if you got a neighbor who's really into like, you know, like 4th of July and they're like having like, yeah, we're having a 4th of July picnic. You're like, all right, I'll come over. We'll, we'll celebrate with you. You're really into this shit. You okay. know, like that kind of thing. It's symbolic. It's like communion. Yeah, exactly. It's only a community for, thing. Only for the redneck weirdos. <laughs> Psychotic redneck <laughs> right, weirdos. Right, yeah. If you're just a regular red, redneck weirdo, you're cool. Yeah, that's, that's where a little bit of my disconnect is. I was like, well, is there any magical forces at work here? I, I, it, at all. That's hard to or say. satanic forces or something. I want to say there's satanic forces at work because, I mean, Dr. Okay. Satan was hung and he got put in the ground and somehow he's still alive working down underneath the ground now mm-hmm. with his monster people. There's something going on there. But I think, again, to your point, I think there's a lot of like, wouldn't it be cool to see this? Yes. Throw it in. Back half of this movie is like, wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> yes. So we cut back to the show. So she shoves baby off. At this point, everything kind of gets a little bit like riled up. The brother comes in. He's like, your car is ready. Boom. They're like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Everyone gets up. They leave. The fireflies are kind of taunting them. Like, get out of here, city boy. You know, like that kind of random bullshit. Well, baby like runs up and starts banging on the window of the car as they speed off. Mm-hmm. I was hoping they would smash that window out. I thought it was going to be something like that. But mm-hmm. as they're getting out, they come across these giant crucified like figures on these like stakes and stuff by the, um, the gate. And they get down off the crosses and they have giant oversized heads. This is scary. I know that we think of Rob Zombie as this larger than life kind of fun, like goofy, kind of like creepy, you know, like, oh, it's like, look at this wild, fun stuff that he does. But if you were in a car in the rain at night and these giant figures with oversized like puppet heads got off and started beating one of your friends in the dark rain, 
You'd be terrified. Yeah, this no. would be horrifying to see. This was a great scene. Like uh, all, everything up until now, I'm still pretty much on board for. Mm-hmm. Just minus the a lot of the VHS cuts in between. So they abduct the kids, take yeah, them back uh, inside. One of the guys that jump off the crosses is uh, Otis, mm-hmm. and I forget which other Firefly, but you know, Tiny and uh, brother. Yeah, and they grab them all and, and bring them back inside. And now they're all split up and they're all kind of in their own areas, the the kids. But we also are cutting back to the that the dad of the girl who's like calling the local sheriff and like, my daughter never came home. I'm sure it's nothing, but could you check it out? She was going to a place called Captain Spaulding's. So the sheriff and his partner, Walter Goggins, are going to go check out Captain Spaulding's. They go inside. They start ringing the bell. <laughs> Spaulding goes, whoever's having a love affair at that bell better hold on to their shit I'm going to blow your goddamn head off or something like that. Unless you're the cops. Yes, unless you're the cops. <laughs> oh, hi, officer. <laughs> they have a great interaction where the cops are asking some questions. He's like, I don't know. These dumbass kids come in here and they do this shit. I'm not responsible for them. The sheriff's not totally buying it, but he's also like, mm, I don't trust this dude, but he's right. We got nothing here. Well, like, Spaulding does fess up. He's like, oh yeah, I sent him out here. I, I drew him a well, map. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, he's like, I, I don't, I can't keep up with him though. After that, yeah, and he's yeah. like, you're gonna draw me the same fucking map, clown, true, or else. And he's like, all right, all right. So yeah, I guess that makes a little more sense. If he's not in on it, why would he just like send him over there? The thing is, he's in on it. He, it's so. This is what that's the feel I get. Doctor Satan, the Fireflies, Spalding, they're all just. It's kind of like an art community that gets together. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of like, hey, we all live in our separate places. So we do our own thing, but we're all doing art together kind of thing. I feel like it's the same thing here, but with killing and psychoticness. So it's like a psychotic commune. Yeah, if you will. Like so a real community of like crazy people. They all just kind of yeah, migrate. Dr. Satan's doing his thing underground. Firefly's doing their thing over there. Spalding's doing his little gas station murder thing. And uh, he's all like, hey, you know, like, hey, I know some kids. Like, cool. Send them my way. Sounds good. Have fun this weekend. You too, buddy. Okay, separate, but have the same kind of ideals. Exactly. Okay. Which is why we got to stop magging now. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, so the cops are out there looking. We cut back to the fireflies. Did we mention the cheerleaders yet? We didn't mention the cheerleaders, but some cheerleaders are missing, and uh, those poor girls are just getting the business from the fireflies. Otis is talking to them, and I'm like, is he trying to convert them? No. No. Doesn't turn out that way. But the way he's like talking at him for the longest time, I was like, well, what, what's your end goal here? Well, Otis? he's trying to unlock his creativity again. He's like, I've okay. got a block. I can't get it through it. I was like, I used to be a master of this, you know, like, and, and I'm just, I'm stuck. I can't create, you know, blah, blah. And he's like, and you're supposed to help me and you're not helping me. You're not giving me anything to work with. And it's like, he's just like, <laughs> he's pissed because like me killing you is not giving me the same creative flow and feel that I need. Like I need something better than this. And he's just getting frustrated and kind of taking it out on these girls and, it's wild. It's just insanely fun, wild shit. And I think one of them at some point is just dead. Yes. And there's only like one or two that are still alive, mm-hmm. just sitting around with these corpses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we, as this is going on, we now see the, one of the girls tied up to a chair. She's like, where's Bill? Where's Bill? And Otis is like, you want to see Bill? Well, thank God for Bill because he helped me break my creativity block. I give you the Fiji mermaid and it's our fish boy. That's what fish it is. Boy. Fish boy. And it's Rain Wilson's upper half sewed to the bottom of a giant fish. And he is like this giant mermaid type monster thing. And he is full dead. I want to know where he got that fish. That was a very big fish. It's a huge fish. He'll do anything for the project. This, this place feels like it's in the middle of Arizona. Or, you know, some desert-esque I'm saying West Texas. You think it's West Texas? I'm saying West Texas. Okay, so El Paso then. Yes. Where did you get a fish that size? You have it imported. Okay. Yeah, I got a fish guy. He's got a fish guy? (laughs) He's got a fish guy. It's Captain Spaulding. He'll get you whatever (laughs) you want. 
Probably. But so, so it, she starts freaking out. Then we cut to baby and, uh, you know, fucking with um, Jerry. She's like asking him questions and starts scalping him. And it's, it's rough shit. You're just seeing him getting tortured and just beat to hell. And about this time, the sheriff is like, they find the car of the kids. and like, all right, this isn't good. This has been worked over. They open the trunk and they find one of the dead cheerleaders. And it says trick or treat carved into the side of her. And, you know, they are not shy about covering themselves. They don't give a fuck, man. Why not? I don't know. But at the beginning of Devil's Rejects, they're like, we don't give a fuck, man. How long have they been murdered and they've been caught yet? I find it hard to believe that they have worked this far off the radar with as much that they've done. Yes. But I love the charm that they have. There's so-called 1,000 corpses in this house, <laughs> and I ain't seen at least 500 of them. Well, the Dr. Satan corpse is underground. All those bodies and skulls and stuff like that. Maybe okay. that's the 1,000 corpses. So they're not so a thousand it's, corpses it's, by the fireflies. It's the the annex of a, of a thousand corpses. It's we, not quite connected to the okay. house. We moved in. There was seven hundred and eighty corpses. We added the rest. No, look, we're doing a, a total by 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 land circle. <laughs> sure. At, at that point, anywhere is near a thousand corpses at any given time. <laughs> the so, gas station of a thousand corpses. So after this, uh, Walter Goggins and the sheriff are like, "All right, let's go check out the fireflies. They're pretty fucking crazy. Let's see if they know anything about this." They go to the uh, house. They're looking around. They split up. The sheriff goes in the front door, and uh, Mama Firefly is like, come in. I'll, I'll talk to you, officer. Doing the whole like kind of sexy charm type thing. Upstairs, Otis is getting the gun. Him and Hugo, Grandpa, are having an interaction. It was so good. They're watching the Munsters, and he's mm-hmm. all like, I guess I got to do everything around here. And Hugo's just like, fuck you. And it's just like, fuck you. And so he's like, I'll go around back. Goggins and the dad find a shed. Mm-hmm. They open the shed. And there is, I want to say, the cheerleaders plus more in there. It's one like of them's or five alive. Corpses in there. Yeah, one of them's mm-hmm. alive, like screaming bloody murder. The other ones are dead. Deadsville. There's one in the middle. She's strung up, almost like in a crucifixion style pose on some giant antlers. Yeah, a lot of bones and horns around. The the way this was revealed was actually very well done. When they open it up and they're just like, what the fuck? Well, the sound drops out and they start playing Slim Whitman's I Remember You. I remember you. You're the one who made my dreams come true. A few kisses. Which is a very just kind of weird, like, what? It's such like a, a juxtaposition of what we're seeing on the screen. We don't hear any screams. It's just just the music and we're watching all this play out as Goggins calls the sheriff on the, the CB radio. He's like sheriff. And he goes to answer it. Boom. He gets shot in the head by mama firefly out back. Otis mm-hmm. sneaks around, shoots the fucking dad in the back. He falls into a puddle. Goggins is on his knees. And then Otis is just holding a gun to his head. As we listen to this song play out in silence for 26 seconds. That's how long it takes for them to put the gun to his head and pull the trigger. So that pan shot, that crane shot where they're going up is 26 seconds long. Yep. God, that's it felt forever, but it definitely built the intensity. This scene seems out of place. And it's not that it's a bad scene. It's a really good scene. Really? But it it almost doesn't gel with the campy pulpness of this rest of the movie. It seems more like it belonged in Devil's Rejects. But see, I think this was Zombie finding kind of his voice. You know, he had been doing the the campy, fun, like modernized old school horror with, you know, with White Zombie. But he always had that kind of like, if you listen to his lyrics and stuff, he always had that kind of like that, just like decrepit what exists underneath the surface level, like 
scary monstrosity type stuff. And I think this was him kind of like leaning into that. It just, like I said, it my, felt, my opinion, my personal impression, it feels a little too intense for this movie, but I'm glad it happened though, because, because it did feel kind of like standardized horror. Like, Oh, ha ha ha. This is crazy. Oh my God. They're getting fucking cut. Oh, he's a fish boy. You know? And then it's like, wow, just shoot him. Like, dude, stop belaboring it. Like it gets intense. And then we cut back to the kind of the campy, crazy fun stuff though. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It does have a bit of a, like a, it's a speed bump. And it's totally okay that it, it it's in this, by the way, I'm not saying it shouldn't be here, but it was just like a, well, that was a that was something else. Mm-hmm. Now there are um, babies and assless chaps at a place called Pussy Liquors. It's getting red hot pussy liquors, <laughs> spelled L I Q U O R S. Is that how you spell liquors? Liqueurs. Okay, there yeah. you go. And yes, yeah, she's walking up in assless pants, jeans, and uh, kudos to this shot. Mwah! <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they're buying a bunch of booze because they're gonna have a big party because it is Halloween night. Time to get fucking crazy. Now, what the fuck is Grandpa dressed up as? He a looked samurai. like he was a Ronin warrior. Yeah, he's a Ronin samurai. Why did they put him in that outfit? <laughs> it seems so fucking Because weird. they had access to Universal Studios like uh, outfits, and they were like, grab something. I was just looking at that. I was like, yes, let's put the old man in the samurai outfit. That's fucking funny. I did appreciate that. Yeah. What's really weird, though, also, this and the, the liquor store scene is one of those great examples where he does a lot of splicing in, like, random other stuff to, like, music and things like where it feels like very music video. There was, like, there's scenes of, like, you know, like, Betty Page-style women, like, dancing around in bondage and, like, you know, rubbing up against corpses. And it's just, like, th- this is where it also got kind of dark, too. You know, you're seeing some of these imageries and you're like, wow, what the fuck was this unrated version like? You know, yeah. this movie is would be very fitting at a bar where it's just playing... Mm-hmm. And it's very visually stimulating. I don't stimulating. know if I want to. I don't know if I want to mix my <laughs> sex and gore at a bar. Well, they would play them down at the Jackalope. That's they true. play this kind of crap all the time. I know. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> well, you know, I'm joking. By the way, I want to totally want to mix the sex and the gore in these. Movies. Oh yeah, I know. Y'all totally missed talking about Goober. Sorry, Jerry Ober. Uh, that actor did a excellent job, and I have to say that. His whole performance cracked me up. Well done, sir. Uh, There's also some tension, though, right? Like, you couldn't tell if they were going to pay for the liquor, if they were just going to murk that guy and steal the liquor. So uh, I can't believe y'all didn't talk about that scene. That was one of my favorites. Back to y'all. So everybody's, like, at the table, right? Who's still left? Well, they're not at the table because we have the the kids. We got uh, Jerry. We got the two girls. Bill is dead. Three out of four remain. They're dressed in rabbit outfits. And they're strung up in the living room and they're wheeling everybody in their, their outfits. Baby and mom are kind of like in these like, um, I want to call them Greek kind of lady robes, you know, very like flowy kind of white silky dresses and stuff. They kind of look like those vampires or the vampresses yes. from the old 50s, 60s, 40s, whatever. Fucking mm-hmm. bang on. And then uh, grandpa on a Ronin outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, upstairs, Otis is getting ready. And they're all kind of like partying downstairs, getting drunk, having a good time. Otis comes downstairs and uh, he's got a robe on and he's like, I'm the one that spanks you when you're bad. Who's your daddy? I'm the one that brings the treats. Who's your daddy? And like the whole family is getting into this like pomp and circumstance as he walks down the stairs into this, you know, they're chanting back to him. Who's your daddy? Oh, they're in it. They're, they're on board for this. And you realize that he is wearing the girl's dad's face and chest. He has skinned this fella and he is wearing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what was that movie um 
there was a guy with a chainsaw and mm-hmm. he had a like a bunch of skin fi- I don't remember what it was. Uh, Missouri <laughs> Garden Hedge uh, Killer. Is that's that what the, it is? That's the one. <laughs> uh, he goes, give daddy some sugar. Now, I couldn't tell. Does she know immediately that that's not her real dad? Because when he takes the thing off, she scre- when he takes the hood off, she screams. And I'm like, did you not know it was a skin mask at that point? I think she just was too out of it. Okay, maybe. You know, I think she's just... He's like, give daddy. She's like, daddy, and kind of like, no. And then like he takes it off. She's like, ah. And I'm like, yo. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to believe that I personally would know if I was kissing a dead person's skin that was draped on someone else's body. Well, without the skull to give it definition, you may not recognize the person. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. Didn't they do this in the second movie too? Wasn't someone walking around with somebody's face? Yes. Otis wears it at the the hotel with Brian Posehn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is just his, he does this all the time. This is his thing. Okay. You know, he's got it. He's got a calling card. So anyway, uh, what does he say? What's the line? Um, I'm going to do you a favor, Jerry. He goes, the boogeyman's real and you found him. I fucking love that line so much. Then they have a funeral procession in the dark to take Jerry to the tree of Dr. Satan, the tree of Dr. That's like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. (laughs) Uh, They put him in a coffin and they lower him down into the ground. And underneath this uh, cemetery is like muddy, swampy filth. It's creepy shit. Now, did, they didn't nail it shut, right? Did they just like string them up and tie them up and then lower it? Well, one of the girls runs off. Baby's going to like, I'll catch her. I'll chase her down. And they had this whole like, run, you know, like rabbit, run, run, rabbit, run, you know, mm. like into this little like cross graveyard type area, which was really creepy looking, except you had to listen to baby giggle the whole time, which again, just really got under my skin. Mm-hmm. Again, a little less bothered by it now, but compared once i saw chainsaw 2 i was less bothered by this because chainsaw 2 is just a cornucopia of screams and electronic like or not electronic but like gasoline noises yep so this was like okay this is annoying but not as bad but yeah she chases them down and then they put um jerry and the other girl i wish i could remember their names <laughs> crave talk podcast they put them in the coffin they lower them down it's not nailed but i no actually i think it is like slightly nailed because remember, the zombies are the ones that tear it apart with them inside. Oh, you're right. Okay. Because they can't get out, and they're like, let us out, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like the zombies like come out of the water, fucking tear this thing apart, take Jerry down to the depths, and they leave What's-Her-Face. She's the last one standing, She's right? the last one standing, our final girl. Because the rabbit chased by baby is murdered. Oh, she, she stabs her to stuck death. like a pig. Okay. And Jerry is uh, going to find himself in a dentist chair right? You think, I mean, I didn't know he was drugged to the deep and I was like, well, that's the end of Jerry. And then like, evidently like she moves forward down this hallway and then he's already strapped, cleaned up in a fucking dentist chair being operated on by Dr. Satan. You're not wrong. Right. The end of this movie is just riddled with like, what the fuck? But again, it's so visually entertaining and creepy that I'm like, I'm here for it. We got there really quickly. But the thing is, is there's probably 10 to 15 minutes of random footage before we get all the way down the hall, down to Dr. Satan's doctor's office. There's like a corpse hallway with yeah. like corpses and spider webs. I, I, I'm okay. Going to Captain Spaulding's murder ride, I'm on board. Is it mm-hmm. dangerous? Probably yes. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance I could get killed at this thing? Of course I'm going to ride it. Is there a chance that going to the Firefly's house is a bad idea? Yes. Am I tempted to check it out? Okay, sure. But maybe I won't because I'm a little more pragmatic about it. Mm -hmm. Having to walk down a dark underground corpse hallway, I would permanently lose my fucking mind. I'm not kidding. I would never be the same. This would be the thing that snaps me. I hate being in the dark alone. Mm. To see that and know that I have to walk down it, something would snap. 
I'm being completely honest and vulnerable on the podcast right now. This is the kind of thing that would make me just fucking lose it permanently. Well, the good news is you wouldn't have much longer to live. Well, thanks, so. Mark. Appreciate that. Light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you're you're one dentist visit away from uh, the sweet, sweet release. Let's point out that Dr. <laughs> Satan is not a DDS, okay? He's just a crazy, like, German Nazi doctor. Well, he had, like, a drill, so that's why I'm putting him in a dentist uh, outfit. They here. were doing some dentist drill noises right. and stuff like that. So she makes it down the hallway and she goes to like leave, but the door closes behind her. The door opens up in front of her, swings open. It's Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. And he is experimenting on Jerry. And mm-hmm. Jerry's got his head flayed open. He's in his brain. He's dead at this point. Or you think he's still alive? Right, he's still alive because he's still screaming and squirming and shit. Is he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jerry is, uh, Jerry's had a bad fucking time, man. Yeah. But anyway, he's getting just messed up by dr satan dr satan looks at the girl Can we look up her name real quick because goddamn hold on well i got it here it's mary you sure i'm pretty positive <laughs> it's mary is it hold on like if we look at their pictures would that help i'm looking at them i'm still not helping <laughs> maybe it's denise oh wait look at the dad's name share frank houston Okay, so, so it's Denise. Denise is the final, final girl. Okay, so for everyone not listening, or if we cut that out, basically we just went down a rabbit hole trying to like match <laughs> pictures and names to see if we could find out the name of this final girl. It's Denise. Denise mm-hmm. is the final girl. Sorry, Denise, we've been calling you that girl the whole time. Look, what do you expect? Who's We're the grave girl? talk. It's Denise. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Denise is now basically like, holy shit, this is Dr. Satan's lab. This giant dude in a gas mask comes out with an axe. He's like chasing her down. She's running through the tunnels. This scene went on a little bit long for me. Some very Hellraiser looking Cenobite feels to these guys down Mm -hmm. here. Again, another tonal shift. We went from redneck psychotics upstairs to Hellraiser-esque weird leather BDSM characters. But again, they're not the same family, dude. I know, but it was just... Dr. Satan's all about that Cenobite lifestyle, you know? Yes, I get that now, but again, like when you're just watching this movie, it's just like, and we've moved into the other room of the haunted tour, you know? Yes. Basically, this is Rob Zombie's buffet. You Mm -hmm. walk in and he's all like, you could have anything you want. What do you want? He's like, I want one of everything. And God bless him for doing it. <laughs> so it's all going in. Yeah. All of it. Everyone go back for seconds, which is really weird though, because devil's rejects and three from hell have a very specific feel. Yes. A very specific feel, which I can give him props for like, he, you know, he, he worked it out yes. in the house of a thousand and went, this is the tone. This is what we're doing. This is the kind of devil's the, rejects. The tour. I want to take these characters. Exactly. On, yes. But uh, yeah, so she's being chased and he's being chased by the giant monster thing, which I guess is the dad. Maybe. Sure. It's not really told to you. His face mask gets ripped off at some point. He's got this giant, like, fucking prolapsed butthole mouth type thing that's, like, oozing blood, and his skin's flayed off, and it's very much a product of Dr. Satan's handiwork. It's wild. He just got out of the dentist chair himself. Obviously. That's why he's got no teeth. Uh, Give me the butthole treatment, (laughs) would you? Thank you. I'll take the anus. Um, (laughs) So, anyway... He swings, swing and a miss. He brings down the house on top of himself. He caves in the like tunnel on top of himself. Much like Super Shredder, after a rousing Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go scene, he takes himself out in the same manner. I was going to say the um, the uh, grenade explosion in Chainsaw 2. Okay, but you know, mine's funner. Yeah, yours is way better. I like it. You know, I like to imagine uh, upstairs, Rob Vanilla Van Winkle upstairs in a car, being like, "Yo, I'm gonna pop a Roni and get out of here." You can see a limo pull up, and Vanilla's like, "Who hired us to come out to this Halloween party?" <laughs> so she wakes up, 
It's daylight. You can kind of see some sun peeking into the top. She climbs away to freedom, escapes to the ground, very mm-hmm. Evil Dead cover style. Yes. If you remember the Evil Dead movie poster cover, it looks very much like Girl that. Girl coming out of the cemetery, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She runs out into the street. Well, she's kind of staggering. She is fucked up. Well, yeah. And she staggers out in the street and almost gets hit by a car who stops to help her. And that person, Captain Spaulding. Mm-hmm. Not in clown makeup, though. Well, he's in clown makeup, but not in his full outfit. Maybe he just got off work. Maybe he's going to work. I don't know where he's going at this point. He worked all night, assuming. I, who else works there, though? Is Captain Spaulding's a 24-hour adventure? Uh, it, seemed really, it seemed really late. It was very late when uh, yeah. Bill and Jerry and them rolled through. Well, this, this is like two days later, right? Denise and Mary, since we now know their name. <laughs> right. This is two days later, right? Because the next morning, that's when the sheriff shows yep. up. Yep. So a whole nother night has passed. Halloween is over. So now it's November 1st. It's November 1st. And the maybe, witching day. Maybe he's on the way to work. Maybe he is. Yeah. Maybe. He's had a nice good sleep. So anyway, yeah, he picks up. He's like, girl, what's happened to you? Man, we got to get you to the doctor. You know, you need some help. Get it? A doctor. Hint, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan! <laughs> <laughs> and Otis pops out of the back seat. Yeah, so she thinks she's safe, and Otis slowly sits up, fucking Undertaker, Michael Myers style, and is like, Hup! and then grabs a knife. You think he's going to stab her to death. But then we cut back to her and Dr. Satan's medical dentist chair getting worked on, which lets us know that Spaulding and Otis are somehow in on stuff together, which we get more of a delve into with uh, Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Woo! The House doctor. of a Thousand Corpses. Then we get uh, Rob Zombie's version of I'm Your Boogeyman. Garrett, did you enjoy that movie? Yes, I did. I think you did. Mark, more than, did you more than me. I'm, you know, I'm, I, hey, I'm higher on it than I've been ever, and I give it three stars. I definitely am glad I did not dismiss this one the first time I saw it, because I loved visually what I saw, but I was so like, uh, again, I was still new to horror at this time. I hadn't seen a lot of it. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I don't get it. Like, why is everyone so much about horror? You know, this is just more just like, just for me, it was more like jerking off. You know, just kind of like, I'm doing this because it's fun and it's wild and crazy, you know, like, and it's not like, like, there's a real purpose to it, you know, and I, you know, I've been proven wrong. There's some great horror movies out there, but this was not a great example of that at the time. But going back, I really, really enjoy this movie. I, I think some of the the acting performances are just phenomenal. The interplay between some of the characters is just, you don't get it in other movies like this. I mean, look at the the, the famous horror movies from right now. You don't get this kind of like fun interplay in that way. Evil Dead, very serious, you know, like, you know, Candyman's, all that stuff like that. You're getting a lot of, like, really serious kind of stuff. Real, like, even Scream, as goofy as it is at times. Everyone's taking their their relationships and their conversations and everything, like, a very, like, serious kind of way. And mm-hmm. the, the Hugo and Otis interactions alone, you're just like, man, this is just so much fun. I think I could, I've come to appreciate it more over the years. The first time I saw it, I was just like, what the hell did I just waste my time on? And then I've probably seen it one other time since then, and now this is, like, the third time. But... I think for me, if it just had a little more of the uh, connective tissue to make it more cohesive, if the Dr. Satan stuff wasn't so abrupt, just making me watch a bunch of VHS footage at really low resolutions to kind of connect it together, I wouldn't have felt so strongly against it back in the day. But I think I can't appreciate it for what it is now. Your explanations help a little bit too, seeing this kind of communal weirdo landscape that they live in this West Texas area. Okay. I can kind of get on board with that and kind of take it from there. But yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is just a series of images. And wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be cool if I did that scene and this scene and that and the other, but yeah, I think 
I'm going to say I do recommend at least seeing it one time. If you've never seen House of a Thousand Corpses, give it a watch and see what you think. Out of, out of five stars, where are you putting it? I'll put it at a three. Okay. Which is way higher than it's ever been. I'm going to give it a 3.5 just because I, I think it's a really good example of what I find to be fun horror. It's almost like the perfect bridge between the, the campy, fucking gory 80s horror that I love. You know, Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Creeps, that kind of shit. Mixed with a little bit more like modern kind of like just really super gory kind of like intense mm-hmm. kind of stuff. A lot of that like like real kind of like... Oh my God, like you're viscerally scared just because of the environment you're in. I thought it's a really good bridge between the two. Now, was it flawless? No, not by any means, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun watch. I also give this one three stars. I really don't have much to add that you all haven't already covered. I do agree it's a bit music video-y, but for some reason that didn't bother me. Like maybe it was the state of mind I was in when I was watching it, but I didn't find it annoying at all. Uh, so... For now, uh, I guess I like two Rob Zombie movies, this one and the Halloween remake. And I would definitely recommend this to people if they've never seen it. I think it is a bit of an experience. So uh, I guess that makes three recommendations from us. And back to you all. I would say come to it for the performances of Sid Haig, Walter Goggins, and Karen Black. I think uh, they are the standouts. Grandpa too. Actor Dennis Fimple. Uh, actually one of his last roles before he passed, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Uh, R.I.P. Come there for those performances alone. You'll be entertained enough. And then you get to see Rob Zombie make his first debut into the film world. I'm going to say Chadwick was really good, too. You should definitely check him out, too. Hardwick. Hardwick. When I say Chadwick? Chadwick Bozeman. (laughs) That'd be a very different movie. Chris (laughs) Hardwick. Jordan Peele. Yeah, Chris was okay. Jordan Peele's House of a Thousand Corpses. Whoa. Jordan Peele's House Party of a Thousand Corpses. Hollywood, get the fuck at us. Damn it. Uh, I think that's something that needs to happen. (laughs) Kid and play, are you in? All right. Well, listeners, what did you think of House of a Thousand Corpses? Why don't you let us know on our social media? We've got an Instagram, a Facebook, and a Twitter. You can find everything we're up to at thegravetalk.com. Um, Garrett, what are we up to next time? So we actually have a movie that's kind of like low budget that we were talking about doing, but Boogeyman comes out in a week, and I really think we should do Boogeyman. So we're still kind of up in the air. But right now, we'll say it's either going to be the new Boogeyman movie coming out mm-hmm. in theaters, or... It'll be a Mark choice, which I believe was what? Ticks? Ticks starring Seth Green, Clint Howard. Clint Howard. And uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Wait, That's really? Right. Yep. Seth Green and Alfonso Ribeiro? You got it from Fresh Prince. Okay, fuck it. We're doing Ticks. <laughs> We're doing Ticks next. So Ticks is the next movie. All right. Well, listeners, get Ticks watched. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> listeners, go get Ticks. <laughs> don't get Ticks. They suck. Anyway, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.